Hello everyone and welcome to the All Things International Education podcast. I'm Salyonia and I'm excited to have you join us today. In each episode, I'll interview professionals of the industry to share their experience and knowledge with us. Together, we learn about anything related to international education. We're really looking for a holistic view of the industry. Don't forget to share this podcast if you find it helpful. And now let's start with our guest of the day. Today's guest is Tom Millington, founder and CEO of Abrodia. Tom has been in international education for 20 years and has experienced two layoffs, which led him to found his own company, Abrodia, specialized in cultural and language exchanges in Cuba and Latin America. Today we'll discuss layoffs and share tips for those of you who are experiencing this transition. We'll also talk about international education and the need to measure overall health of the industry. And finally, we'll discuss the positive impact institutions and associations can have during a time of crisis. Now let's get on to the interview. Hi, Tom, and thank you so much for joining today and for being All Things International Education's first guest. That's adventurous. <laughs> um, thank you. Today we're talking about a topic that's dear to your heart, and unfortunately right now it's quite relevant with coronavirus challenging us. We're talking unemployment and layoffs in international education. I know you've been laid off in the past, and that's probably why you feel um, like this is an important cause to talk about. Can you tell us a bit more about your own experience? Sure, Celia, I'll be happy to. I have been laid off twice. Uh, in total, it came out to 25 months. Uh, the first one was in uh, 2009. The second one was in uh, 2012. Um, and it's never easy. The first one was harder for me because it was a brand new experience. It was a shock. Uh, and there really were not many resources for me uh, available. So it was, it was a challenge. Uh, I really felt alone and I felt really abandoned by the field. And uh, as I did more research on it, I felt I, I could see that there are other people who felt the same way. So there was really no connection, no thread really unifying or uh, grouping us all together. Uh, you know, we certainly couldn't afford to go to some of these conferences that some of the drivers in the field offer every year. So there was no chance for us to remain connected to the field. And so I, for me, it, it just um, it occurred to me that there really was not much effort being done to, to collect data on this, on this trend. Or on the people, you know, how many people have been laid off every year? What's the rate of unemployment in the field of international education? These are important questions that must be asked. And I think now, hopefully during this COVID crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, I think some of the big players in the field of international education are going to realize, hey, this is something we need to be uh, tracking I, and to better assess the overall health of the field. Right now, no one can really answer that question. We have been too long dependent on uh, assessing our, our, or measuring the, the health of our field by numbering or tabulating the number of people who go abroad every year. And that's only part of the picture. The other half of the picture is, is what's being done uh, on, the, on the other side. The people who help the study abroad advisors, the directors of study abroad programs, or the directors uh, of international student service programs. That is also very important. Um, to the overall health of the field. We need to know what happens to them. How many offices are reducing their budgets for international programming? How many are laying off si uh, people? How many are resi resizing or downsizing? These are all important questions and it really is time that we start measuring and, and start um, asking those questions. Right. And talking about staying connected, Tom created a LinkedIn group for people in international education that are currently in transition 
foreign employed to stay connected and um, network together. So it's called International Educator Circle. So feel free to head to LinkedIn and join the circle. Getting back to the current situation, I've actually seen a lot of, um, we have seen online a lot of companies, um, study abroad providers mainly that downsize their, um, their teams quite a lot. I haven't seen any universities so far. I don't know if you've seen anything uh, regarding universities having to lay off some stuff. Some have had to um, work around with the salaries. Um, some people don't have much work to do, but I haven't seen any layoffs. I don't know if you have. That is a good question. And the reason you haven't seen uh, the data on that is it's, it's really not been uh, made readily available to the public. I think a lot of these discussions are basically internal inside the, the, the uh, university or the college. And I understand that and I respect that. And I think the big challenge is how are we going to get those universities and colleges to uh, share that information with us? Not necessarily with the general public, but maybe the people in international education so that we understand what's happening to our field, what's happening to our colleagues. And more importantly, what's happening to the vision, the internationalization vision of these universities that are making these very difficult decisions. So I'm hoping down the road, uh, in the spirit of transparency and openness, that colleges and universities will be uh, more willing to share this information, like I said, not necessarily with the general public, but with the, uh, with the people in the field of international education. Right. Um, and you said you briefly said you've been laid off twice. The first time came as a shock. Did you feel that when it came around the second time, did you feel more prepared or... Um, could you reuse some of the tools that you that you used in the first time to get back to a healthy routine and a place where you felt good and ready to tackle the job search? Yeah, I, you are completely right. The second time for me, I was better prepared. I mean, no one wants to be unemployed, obviously, but if you have a strategy in place, you have your mindset, your mentality uh, prepared for it then it's not as sharp. It's not as, as, as difficult as the first time. Uh, you, you've been through it before. You, you know you'll come out on top, even though it may take a little bit longer. Uh, that's fine. So I had a routine of taking long walks, you know, going to the gym. I play a lot of racquetball. I play competitive racquetball. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I improved. Uh, I, I started learning Italian. You know, I, I read poetry. I wrote. I read a lot of books. I went to bookstores. So just having a routine... It's, it's called in psychology establishing cues that, that will help uh, your environment and uh, produce a, a positive environment for you. So that really helped immensely. But the problem now we have is with uh, COVID-19, we cannot necessarily do that because people right. cannot go outside. You certainly can't go to the gym. So I would say in that case, just write. Do a lot of writing, a lot of reading, uh, anything. Listening to music, certainly watching TV, but you know you don't want to spend too much time watching TV. Uh, do models, you know, um, put together a, a model car or so, something like that. Cooking. I've been doing a lot of cooking lately during this COVID-19 crisis. So you just have to find a way of, of doing um, doing something uh, because as part of work, we are so, it's, it, it, our job, our employment is such a, an important part of who we are. When that's gone, that really is a devastating it, it, it's devastating. And even the second time around, I still felt it. It was very hard to do. Granted, it wasn't as, as difficult as the first time, but it was, it's never easy to deal with that, that, that loss, that yeah. vacuum that you suddenly have in your, in your personal and professional life. So 
It's a matter of some, somehow filling up that vacuum with something in the meantime. So take a course, maybe online course in Adobe Acrobat, maybe, or, or video editing. Or, and this is probably going to be the big thing, uh, learn how to design a, a virtual class, online classes. I think that's what people can do. And I think um, I think there could be a really big opportunity now for, for people uh, who are unemployed under, under the COVID-19 crisis to look at ways that they can grow professionally and, and diversify what they what what they offer i agree I've, i've been laid off a few years ago as well and um the first few days you're just home and you just don't you don't know what to do you're still processing what happened and you just feel that the next day you're gonna have to go to work in the morning and then you remember actually well you don't really have to anymore and and you probably shouldn't because no one's expecting you there and um and it it is a shock for the first at least the first few days and i think it's important Um, because many times we're just looking for a job right away, which makes a lot of sense because we just want to fill that void. And at the same time, I think it's important also to acknowledge that we might need a few days to take a break, process the information, and then yes. have a, maybe a more clear vision of what we want to do next and what we are able to do, what we want also strategize on what would be the, the right step for us. And even rethink about think about our dreams that many times we, we might have put on the side thinking that it's not the right time it's not um the right time in my career or in my personal life well maybe right now it is um and i, I like what you said about maybe using unemployment as a stepping stone to learn new skills um and i think that well you also mentioned um writing which which could even be a, a stepping stone in itself to brand ourselves and maybe write LinkedIn articles or write articles for different um, different blogs or, or websites in the industry. And, and it contributes to building a brand and then will help us get back to employment in the, in the future. Yeah, the, it's there... As I said, it, it's, you have to fill up that vacuum and find ways how you can maximize your time. And really, in many ways, it's sort of like a probation period. You have to really prove that you can be think independently. You, you're, you're strong mentally to be able to do this. You're very proactive. So as you say, it's a very good opportunity to really improve yourself, uh, fine-tune or hone your skills in other areas. I do want to say one thing. Is my big mistake uh, the first time I was unemployed is I, I did not take up my previous employer's uh, kind offer to, uh, to, uh, to speak with a counselor. Mm-hmm. They, they had offered me three free sessions. The, but the truth of the matter is I, I did need it. You know, I needed to talk to someone and just vent, if nothing else. I think the worst thing in the world is to keep it inside of you and just hold it, festers and just eats you up. And it really ate me up. I was angry and despondent for a long time. Um, so if, if it ever happened again, I, I understood. I would go talk to a counselor you know, or a psychologist or psychiatrist. But it, it, it's, it's important to do that, I think. Because very few people... Other than the other people who are, who've been laid off or are unemployed right now in the field, uh, other than them, not, people don't really understand what you're going through. Right, and it can easily become a vicious circle. While I'm assuming a counselor can help break out of this cycle and try to find um, opportunities in what seems to not bring any. Um, right. So I I think you mentioned that also once that it's really important to stay connected to the field and to colleagues. Um, maybe it's important also to uh, reactivate our network and, and connect with people that um, that might be in either in the same situation 
or also that might still be in employment and, and c- connect with them and hopefully when the um, either now or in the future when the the industry is doing a little bit a little bit better then maybe they can help us also um find a, an opportunity or point us to um something interesting in in the field yeah i think that's that's exactly it i think it's what the field needs to do is show how people who are unemployed can remain connected to the field. That was the big blow for me is I felt completely alone, abandoned, um, and just not connected to the field. And I, I've been saying for some time, even if I understand that organizations have to make that decision to, to lay out someone. Okay, great. That's the economic cost, but there's something to be said about human capital. And I think you, even if you lay someone off, you can still in, involve them in your organization in, in a very limited way, maybe online. They can do an online seminar. They can uh, participate in online training sessions. Even though they're not physically there and you're not paying them, at least have that tether or the anchor that they're, that serves as a way for them to, to remain uh, connected to the field. I think, I've, I've said for some time now, that's just as important as any severance pay that you may be uh, dispersing is offering that connection to them. Because I think there are quite a few people that are so frustrated right now that they are really considering leaving the field. And so the question I have for the field is, what are you going to do to prevent uh, that abandonment of the field? What are you going to do to prevent all these people leaving the field? Right. And it's a good thing to mention it. If we have anyone listening that is in the difficult position of having to lay off staff, then maybe you can consider discussing with your team members the possibility to keep working on projects together so they stay in action and stay connected. So we've we actually we've seen a few um, associations in the field trying to help with mentoring programs. And um, for example, Forum on Education Abroad is offering a free membership right now for people that, just be, that have been laid off. Um, but we haven't seen that many associations actually um, taking action on what's happening. Yeah, you, you are right. Um, right now, the Forum on Education Abroad is the only one I've seen. It's the only one that I'm aware of that has made a very concerted effort. They had, they had a session recently at their, at their annual conference, on their virtual conference, specifically, it was called a Career Interrupted, which deals with this, this topic. And they've also offered uh, the, the free uh, annual membership in the Forum for people who were laid off as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. But they're the only ones. I'd like to see NAFSA, I'd like to see the AIEA do something similar. Uh, it shouldn't just be one organization or one driver. Basically, it's like a car. And, and right now, it's only one, let's say one wheel is the only one that's working. The car can't get that, ver- that very far. you know. And so we need to have these other organizations follow the forum's lead. Uh, because that's the only way we can make something uh, positive happen here. It, can't, it should not just fall on one organization or one person or... or, or one group of people. It has to be a full effort by all the important parts of, of the field. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very high on the forum and education abroad because of what I've seen them do, but I think other organizations can do something similar, and they should. Right. There are, there are a few organizations that have a mentoring program, which I think could help. Um, I know there is EAIE, for example, which is the European Association of International Education, um, they have a mentoring program running, and um, another um, association that's interesting is Lead Fifty Fifty. It's for women in international education, and I think they have a mentoring program running every couple of months. Um, so that those could be um, 
clues and and things to look into but um again it's just hopefully a lot more associations and institution will act on it and offer opportunities for maybe even people those people could become their next um team member so that that's a good way also for the fields to stay connected to to the the talents that will help the field advance after after this crisis is is over I, I agree completely. I think we're going to see more and more people uh, follow these leads by these organizations. Uh, and I think it's going to be the next thing. I think people have to understand, these organizations have to understand, so that we need to respond uh, to this crisis of COVID-19, not just by offering more remote internships or remote classes, but by doing something that will really support uh, some of our colleagues who've been adversely impacted by it. So I, I, I'm glad that you've mentioned those other organizations that are doing something. Uh, again, that, that's still, a, they unfortunately are the minority. We need to have many more organizations do something uh, along, along, um, along those terms. You know, in universities and colleges, I, I know that the easy way out is, is doing the layoffs but try, or furloughs. But let's see, maybe do something like modifying everyone's pay structure so that no one has to lose their job. I think that's something worth considering. I know of several universities have done that already. The part of the problem is every college university is adopting a different approach to this. So it's, it's going to be hard to get everyone on board, but we need to get something out there. We need to eventually have like a code of ethics for hiring practices, uh, employment practices in IE. That's also another thing that's missing in this field. Right. Why do you think there's so much uncertainty in unemployment in this field specifically? I know it's not the only field that's hit by the current crisis, but this field is hit very um, badly. Why do you think that it's it's a recurrent issue overall? That is a very good question. I would say, you know, a lot of colleges and universities always say that internationalization is is a priority for them. But what we have to, what we're seeing though, is it not is it may not necessarily be the case. You know, it's always the international programs are usually the first that are affected in economic crises. Whereas athletics, it's 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 good. It's a hard, it's hard to compete with athletics. Uh, I would also say that just because of the, the the diverse nature of the field lends itself to this type of um, these type of uh, issues in 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 in, lay, in layoffs and, and turnover. There's no one degree that someone can earn to make them an international educator. I know mathematics, uh, mathematicians, chemists, engineers who are also international educators. So there's no one degree in international education, although you could get one from SIT. I know New York University offers an international education degree. But overall, it's a very diverse field. People come from a very diverse background of educational histories. So it's, it's very hard to measure that. But what we you know, and I think what we need to do, if we can't measure that, is at least measure or track the job openings. You know, who applies for them? How many people apply? How many are accepted? Uh, where are they coming from? You know, how many uh, women as opposed to men are applying? How many African-Americans are applying for this? We're not tracking this information. I think that contributes greatly to why there is so much turnover. You know, if, if we track this information, followed it, measured it, then we could have a little bit of a better idea of what, what needs to be done. You know, I, I uh, the historian Jay Winner always says, you know, um, you know, minor utopians are uh, visionaries without a blueprint. And I, I like to think we are all visionaries. We just need to have a very good blueprint. And right, right now we don't. And I think that's that's what lends us, uh, makes us vulnerable to these uh, uh, these these layoffs and these turnovers in, in international education programming. So 
we need to have a plan. I think we it, we need to have a process um, you know, regarding hiring practices. But I think, uh, going back to my earlier point, it just comes back to this. We're, we're very diverse in, in our training, and I think people think, well, anyone can do international education. You know, it, it, there's no particular skill or experience, but that's not true. There is a particular skill set that international educators bring to the table. And I think we've not really done a very good job of promoting that enough to universities, to universities and colleges. And that's why, unfortunately, we've had these uh, these instances where they've laid off international program staff. Right. And what's also really interesting is that in some countries, like in the U.S., Canada, Australia, to name just a few international education practices are more advanced than some other countries in Europe. In those countries where the field is more advanced, would have more jobs available, and they also have degrees that are specific to the field of international education, which isn't the case, for example, in France. So for people that are currently struggling with their job search, it might be worth actually um, considering a job overseas. Of course, if you are flexible and, and are able to move overseas, but um, it might be worth considering moving overseas in those countries that are now trying to get up to speed in terms of international education practices. So of course, there's immigration um, that comes into play, but Again, depending on the type of institution, it's not necessarily an issue. And Europe is still hiring in international education, at least as of April 2020. I think that's completely true. I, I, I agree with that. And I think we need to look at how um, how we can address that. You know, I, it, it's, um, I remember you mentioning to me a while back, you know, it's, it's the perception or the equivalency of, let's say, a European or a French degree as opposed to in the, in the United States. You know, you three three degrees in a French university is the equivalent of four. I mean, three years in a French university is equivalent to four in a U, U.S. university. Um, it, it that's that's a big issue. I think the equivalency is a big issue. And then and then the next part of that is is what you just said. It's it's just the the experience issue. Some people are a little more experienced, or some in, in, countries universities uh, do a better job of of promoting that and and showing these skills, um, producing these skills or in in people. Than other countries, um, but I think our field really needs to start talking about that. Rather, before we can solve the problem, we have to talk about it. We have to look at it, analyze it, and then we can take the necessary steps. And talking about that, you actually recently held a webinar with Missy Glukman, who is better known for her company Melibi Global, and also with Marty Tillman, um, known for Global Career Campus. So I'd encourage anyone that hasn't um, seen the recording yet to have a look at it. It's available on Vimeo, and it's called Chartering New Waters, Layoffs in International Education. And just to end this um, episode, I remember during this webinar, Martin Tillman said something really interesting. He said we should entrepreneur our future. And um, I think it was a really good way to look at it and, and also contribute to the field in any way we can, even though it's a difficult time. We, we can make this field and this world a better place through that difficult situation. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what he said. I thought, I wish I had come up with that. That was a great way of, uh, of expressing it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tom. And um, again, I encourage anyone to go and, and check out your webinar. And, um, and I'll link a few interesting resources below as well. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And for anyone that's planning on attending NAFSA 2020, 
Tam is presenting with Vince Schaff and Zachary Makinas on a session that's called Engaging the Disengaged, the Importance of Supporting Displaced International Educators. So feel free to tune in for um, much more information on this topic. And two other resources that could be helpful. Um, first, there is an article that Tom just published. It's called Beyond COVID, How International Education Needs to Measure Overall Health. It's available on the International Higher Education Consulting blog, and it addresses what the field is lacking and how to improve it. And something else that could be helpful, um, Emily Harris has a podcast that's called Bust Up. And she shared tons of amazing and practical tips related to job search and career development. I really encourage you to have a look at the podcast. And one important reminder, in case you're currently in transition and have been laid off, please remember it's not your fault you've been laid off. You're valuable. You did your job great and you can do it great somewhere else. In the meantime, think about what really makes your heart glow to find what you want to do next. Make this chapter a meaningful one. Be kind to yourself. You'll get through this. You got this. 